What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. It is Monday, so that means that Rob, Harrison, and myself are here for Mondays with Maximoff. And again, Marvel just keeps pushing the envelope. Episode 5 is one that really hooks you in from the beginning. I know I can't wait to talk about it. Rob, Harrison, uh, I know you guys feel the same. Uh, welcome. Thanks Thank for having you. me back. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, listeners, we're going to get right in because I am just like, I'm hyper right now to talk about this episode. So, what we're going to do here is we're going to start with the two-minute warning portion. This is a spoiler-free thought of the episode. Uh, before we get into the real details of what happens here, because there's a lot. So, Rob, I'm going to kick it off to you. And what are your spoiler-free ver- uh, thoughts on this episode? So in previous uh, weeks, we kind of discussed episode three was was not really our favorite of this series so far. And certainly I, I made my thoughts on episode two. There were parts of it that I just, you know, I would certainly fast forward through on a, on a future rewatch. And it's possible that there are people who are very busy, like myself, and um, their, their TV time is limited and, and they're, you know, you've got a lot of things you're interested in and you have to pick and choose what you're going to be into. I, I know there's people who would, who love certain video game series, but don't have time to play every one. So maybe they watch somebody do a playthrough on YouTube and that's kind of how they, they take in the game. So it's, it's possible that somebody out there is saying, you know what, after those first few weeks, I'm not sure that I'm really into this show. I'm going to maybe not necessarily watch it. I'll, I'll listen or to a breakdown or I will read something online and that'll be the way that I kind of get the big points of what's going on with, with this show. Cause I'm not sure that this is something I want to stick with. Um, if you are one of those people, I'm going to implore you now <laughs> pause this, go watch episode four and, and you have to then follow it immediately with episode five. Um, and then come back to us. We'll wait. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, you are missing some really interesting world building, some incredible writing, um, and some things that we have not seen in the MCU yet that are, are just taking this in a new direction and, and creating an excitement for me for what happens next week that, is is not like a whole lot else certainly i felt that way about the mandalorian um when the walking dead was really good i was there for that and and game of thrones you know those are the shows that i was i was really like oh my god i cannot wait till the next week's episode um i wasn't sure if i was going to be there or not for wandavision but with what they've set up over the last two weeks for us um i am 100 percent like can't wait till friday yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Harrison, I'll let you go next, man. Um, how do you feel about this episode? Yeah, I uh, really kind of ditto everything that Rob said. It's, you know, before we started recording, Matt, you and I were talking saying that like all the payoffs are coming. And, and it's not even that like everything is just immediately paid off that we've been waiting for with this little episode that, that started off the series. But that the way that it's going to change the MCU is exciting. Like, I remember, like, just to compare it, kind of, I remember in, being in a theater watching Infinity War. And as much as I was, like, a noob to the MCU at that time, like, I remember just thinking, like, whoa, like, how are they going to tell a story after this? And that was really exciting. 
And not that this is like ruin, like like I, I don't know. It, that's not the best comparison because it is different than Infinity War. But it is exciting to be like, whoa, this is going to change a lot of things, or so I think it is. And it's super duper exciting. It's also just fun to see like such an iconic story that is house of m and that type of story adapted and changed you know it's it's not copy and paste but adapted for television super well it's fun to see the mcu expanded to television you know when things are connected there's a reason the mcu is so successful is because things are connected and it's fun to see and to theorize how it all works but anyway i'm rambling at this point to just say it was a super intense and exciting and fun episode it was a really emotional episode it, by far the best one of the series. Um, and if it's going to continue with this steam, I think that by the time we get to episode nine, we're all going to have our socks blown off in amazement because really this, this episode is incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, again, kind of just echoing what, you know, Rob and Harrison have said here, but this is an episode and a show that in these past two episodes for me has just, hit the gas and hasn't let up um there's a lot of emotion in this episode that i wasn't expecting um from two characters that i've talked about openly that i didn't really care for and there's just been a complete 180 on my point of view so um this episode i'll reiterate what harrison said this is by far like it's leaps and bounds the best episode to me um, there's so much to to digest here. There's so much to speculate on because um, they give you a lot. But then again, it, they, they could pull the rug on us from at any moment with what they can do with with the pieces that they have. So I love this episode. Um, that's that's it for me. This is the spoiler free portion. So what we're going to do now is we're going to give you a second listeners. If you haven't watched this episode and you don't want to head into spoiler territory, this is where you pause it, go watch WandaVision. Uh, you might want to watch it twice because that's how good this episode <laughs> is. Um, so we are going to start now with our spoiler portion of the review of episode five of WandaVision. And one thing that I said here in my spoiler free portion was emotion. This is an episode that really kind of flipped me back and forth. Uh, Harrison, I'll, um, you know, pass off to you first. I, I felt really bad for Wanda. And again, we're kind of starting, you know, a little bit in the middle, but once you find out what's going on in this episode, that she is keeping thousands of people in Westview, we find out it's not just a few, it's thousands of people that are being held against their will. And we find out they're being held against their will. Like they can know that at certain points. Um, you kind of flip, or at least I did with God, this is somebody who's gone through so much, but boy, she is really turning out to be what seems like a villain, like a real villain in this universe right now. Uh, Harrison, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I definitely felt the same way. It was especially that moment. Like, like we can go full spoilers here, right? Yeah. Full spoilers. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was there. <laughs> that moment when vision experiences, you know, he kind of understands that Wanda's controlling it with his coworker, whatever his name is, and comes home and confronts Wanda. And the way that Wanda like tries to roll the credits to not talk to him about it. And yeah. 
their confrontation was like, holy smokes. I was not expecting this crazy, you know, multiverse type, you know, sitcom television series to get this emotional and the, the conflict that Vision is obviously feeling with his love and also like frustration towards Wanda, how really she is kind of acting like a villain and like the lack of trust he has in her and blah, 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 blah. It's just, I was really impressed how they are packing so much emotion into this, that it isn't just like, Oh, here's a cool story that we're telling you, but it's like, this is, we're going to present Wanda as someone who's dealing with a lot of grief. Oh, and now she's like someone who's really trying to be a good mom and help her kids experience something that she's still struggling with. Oh, and we're also going to like present her as a villain that she is. And we're also going to have her like, it's just going above and beyond what I expected with the emotion. Yeah. Um, Definitely a lot there, Rob. What, uh, you know, how do you feel about Wanda? And are you on the fence? Are you 50, you know, like what, what's your feeling about her and how she's really just messing with everything? Um, it's not like it's just her and Vision. Again, she's taken thousands of people and, and trapped them in this reality with what seems like no real remorse for it whatsoever. None at all. And over the last couple of weeks, one of the ideas I've casually been kicking around in my head was what if Wanda is actually the primary villain of the next phase of the MCU? Um, They've been very tight lipped about what to expect. They've not given us anything to think about. Certainly we have theories. It could be Dr. Doom or could be somehow related to the X-Men or Kang or, or any number of, of potential options. Um, What if it's actually Wanda? You know, what if what if the events of this show, which we already know are going to lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we know that somehow Spider-Man 3 and, and kind of the Spider-Verse is going to get connected here. Um, she's got the power to be a very formidable villain in if that's what she chooses to be. If she just goes way off the deep end, and certainly we've seen villains in other media um, go way nuttier with way less trauma with way less grief, with way less things that have actually happened to them than what she certainly has. You know, I just kind of jumping to the commercial that we got in this week for Lagos uh, brand paper towel. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, like thinking about that for a second. So a a few weeks ago, we had kind of talked about she's experienced this, she's experienced this and went through all of the major losses that she's had in her life. But the one that none of us, really thought to talk about and and nothing I've seen online is, is certainly the post-traumatic stress and the grief and the, just all of the emotions you would feel if you were responsible for killing innocent civilians. Certainly she, she had the best intentions. She was trying to save her teammate. She was trying to, you know, capture this, this bad guy. She was trying to do all of these other things that she was as a member of the Avengers team and, and trying to save lives and save the world and all these other things. But in the process, many innocent people were killed as a direct result of her actions. And that causes an unbelievable amount of stress and grief and, and remorse and, and wishing to go back and undo it and all of these other things. Um, that's, that's one part of her story that um, really wasn't talked about. You know, we certainly didn't discuss it, and it's not been in anything I've seen online. Um, so to me, that was like, holy cow, yeah, they are, they're really giving us a lot for this character that 
largely up to this point was fairly undeveloped, you know, uh, underdeveloped. We didn't really get a lot of her. Um, she was a bad guy and then she was a good guy and she was in love with vision and, you know, she was involved in civil war and, uh, you know, she was certainly very, she had some great moments in infinity war, but we really didn't get a lot of her. Um, and, and now we truly are. And, and this is one of those things that makes me really excited for Disney plus to exist is, is now that Disney owns pretty much all of pop culture, at least all the parts that anybody cares about for the most part, they can take and do things like this. They can, they can give us a whole episode of television to characters who haven't been featured in films enough. You know, they can do something like the Mandalorian that was starting as a side story separate from the Skywalker saga and now seems to be intrinsically linked to the Skywalker saga, but they can do this with anything they want and, and give us something like this where it's just a complete screwball of an idea. Um, and really explore some characters who haven't had the chance maybe for a full on feature film um, to try something that's never been done before. I mean, the MCU as, as a whole has never been done before um, a show like this. I can't think of anything that's been tried. That's even remotely like this. I mean, it's almost like a season of inception, like a whole, a, <laughs> a whole show that's just mind screw after mind screw. Um, and, and it just, the mystery keeps getting deeper. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like I have resisted the urge to basically do this show all weekend and not text you guys about it. Like, no, I can't, I gotta wait. Like if I start saying anything, we'll basically just do the whole show over text. Like we just gotta wait, um, because I need to talk to people about this. Like I'm begging people I work with who are not caught up to get caught up just so I have somebody <laughs> I can talk to about this. Like it's it's become that show for me right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely again, like I, like I said, it's kicked itself into high gear. And I want to stay on Wanda for a second here because you know we're talking about her as a villain, and she's had some some good moments. But for me, again, like everything that she's done, she has just grown, you know, exponentially in terms of her character. Um, and one thing that this show is really doing now, and I'll talk about the particular scene is it really is treating her. Like if you're a fan of the comic books, you know how powerful Scarlet Witch can be and they've hinted at it, but this show is now really showing that like she can be Omega level. Um, they talked about her being able to take out Thanos on her own, um, they have portrayed her in a way that's like, wow, she is, she's scary. And that to me is really, really personified when she walks out of that portal. Um, oh, man. That scene is good for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them to me might mean nothing, but it's a very cool, like homage. I feel um, the way that she comes out of the portal and what she does is very, very reminiscent of Magneto and turning the guns on the director. And then when she walks back into the portal, she does a flick of her hand, which is like pose for pose, shot for shot, a scene from uh, Dark Phoenix, which I understand if nobody's seen that movie, I don't even think 
the producers saw the movie because they didn't care enough about it. Um, <laughs> but it's just shot for shot, like very eerie to Magneto. Um, but man, she is intimidating when she comes out of there. And I, again, like for somebody who was annoyed with her for certain parts of her character, I don't know why, but her having her accent back when she came out of the portal and was like, you're not taking anything from me. And it was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Nobody's taking anything from you. Um, I love that she has her accent back. I don't know if it means more, um, but uh, Rob, I'll let you kickstart this one. Um, she's just um, she's amazing. Um, Olsen has just taken this character and... You know, much like Robert Downey Jr. did it with Iron Man, and I feel like Chris Chris Evans grew into Captain America and whatnot. She she's fantastic. I am so impressed with her. Oh, Harrison, it looks like we might have lost Rob for a second there, so uh, I'm going to kick it over to you. Um, okay, and, All right. and let you and let you start. Okay, yeah, I, I really agree with you in that moment where she came out and was terrifying. I thought that was awesome. Um, I thought it was a great moment for Wanda as a character. I thought it was a great moment for the sword director. I thought it was a great moment for Monica. I love that the accent came back, which I also think just kind of adds to the idea that Wanda is really trying to escape reality. She And I love the name of the town, Westview. It's almost like as someone who grew up in Sokovia, uh, not Sokovia, in, uh, where did she grow up in the MCU? Uh, oh, I, I can't remember the name. Wherever she grew right up. now. Her and Pietro. And having viewed the West through sitcoms as this perfect home life, she doesn't have an accent because she's trying to create that perfect life. And then coming back, and, and confronting that grief and being aware of it. Oh, it was just so intense. And I love that they're letting her be a villain because like, I love Wanda. Like I like that scene in Endgame where she confronts Thanos. I'm like, Oh, this is epic. Like that's a sweet scene of her just being a boss as a hero. And then to let it just turn into a lot of PTSD and severe grief that she's having to deal with now. I love that they let it, it be that way and that scene was you know having all those lasers turned on the sword director that was sweet i thought that was such a cool moment how she's mind controlling everyone um and everything leading up to that how it's you know we learn that these people are real people that she's manipulating um oh there, there's just so much leading up to that moment that's just great yeah uh rob we were um uh gonna kick off with you for that but you know that we're, we're talking about that portal scene where she, not portal but you know she comes out of the barrier and um boy it's just how, how are you not a fan of her and how she's just taken control of this character um she's terrifying she i you know you think back to all the villains we've had or evil characters in general throughout the MCU. And, and certainly Thanos um, is a compelling villain for a lot of reasons. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily would describe him as terrifying the same way that I do with, with Wanda when she comes out and she's just dragging that drone behind her and has that total boss bitch moment where she flips <laughs> all the lasers right on the director. And it's just like, it's basically saying, you're only alive because I allow it. 
mm-hmm. and is just in such complete and total control. And, and really it, it makes me wonder like, how do they move forward? How does sword try something else next week? They, they clearly have to try, but what, what could possibly be something that they're thinking that they want to do? They've already acknowledged she's probably more powerful than Thanos and he's the wildest thing that anybody on planet earth had tried to come up against at this point. So what is it that you actually do to try to take this on? Um, you know, the accent coming back was, was very interesting to me. Um, you know, it's one of the things that I didn't kind of like about infinity war is like, wait, it's gone. Like I, I didn't, I don't think that was in universe explained. Well, I think it's out there. Like if you read some of the expanded media that's available, I think there's like a comic or something that explains that Scarlet, Witch was training her and, and getting her to be undercover. And I, I don't really know. I didn't read it, but it was like, it, you know, just it coming back and her owning, this is who I am. I don't have to pretend to be anybody else. Um, I just thought it was awesome. And, and I want to talk about something for a second because the, the whole take the shot moment, I think was supposed to be intended to be sort of like, Hey, that's, that's not cool. Like, what are you doing, man? Like that's, you know, th- that's not all right. I looked at it as that's completely what somebody in his position would have done. When you look at them not understanding the level of threat that they were up against, um, keeping in mind, like we talked about in previous weeks, this is the post snap world. This is not our world. Like they've experienced things that we have not and half of all life just disappeared only to then reappear. We as a planet would become aware that there is lots of stuff out there that we don't know about. Certainly the events of the MCU, we've seen characters, obviously the battle of New York, that was a major thing that they can't just kind of cover up, but something to this level and that magnitude, um, humanity would approach things very differently when there are threats out there um, that could cause that to happen or, or worse, you know, eliminate all life. Um, So when they're presented with somebody who's got abilities, they can't begin to calculate. I don't, I, I don't really have a problem with his decision. Like, I think it kind of makes sense. And it's supposed to be played off as, as kind of this bad moment. Like, hey, you're not a good guy for saying to, to do this. I, I think what he said made sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I agree. It felt very um, fury-like that, again, we we have to do what we need to do to, to survive. Like, yeah, we're making, you know, in the first Avengers – we're making weapons with the Tesseract because, you know, of Thor and not directly because of him, but because your brother came down here and had a grudge against you. Uh, he says, like, we're hilariously, like, outgunned and outmanned. We need to do what we have to do. And sometimes that might not be a popular decision, but it, it's got to be the right decision. Uh, we don't have time to look back on it and say, well, maybe we could have done this. Um, so, yeah, I. Uh, I understood where he was coming from. And, you know, again, that's one of the things where it's just like this show, I wasn't expecting it to pull me in so many directions because, you know, you feel bad for Wanda. Um, She's lost a lot, but then you find out that, you know, like I said, she's kept all these people um, against their will. And that's really hit home by that scene with Norm um, when Vision is at work and he just goes nuts when he's like zapped out of this reality for a second. And I think what we talked about last episode, 
um, based on the way he reacted, I feel like everybody in Westview was a part of the blip because he scrambles to find his phone and say, and says, I have to call my wife. And I equated that to he's remembering when he came back. I, I feel that was part of that. And maybe I'm way off and I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on that. But I feel that everybody in Westview was part of the blip. That's partially why she's able to control them. Um, but man, like Norm freaking out and being like, it hurts. She's keeping us here. Please help me. Um, again, that just further goes to be like, geez, Wanda, like I get it. You lost a lot. And I, you know, man, I can understand you're grieving, but this is, you know, again, like Rob, you said it, it, it makes you start to lean, you know, like towards the director of like, eh, geez, I, I hate to say it, but maybe that's the right call because man, like seeing Norm freak out like that, I was like, God, I feel terrible for him. Um, so I'll Harrison, I'll let you go first. And you know, what are, what were your thoughts on that scene with Norm? Because again, like a lot of this episode was about emotion for me. Yeah. Especially with everything you just said compared with that moment. I mean, like we've been spending so much time talking about Wanda, her kids also showed up. Their, their twins showed up in this and then grew up to the age of five and then the age of 10 and had a dog that died. And that also happened in this episode. <laughs> and all the things that we could talk about, Agnes. I mean, this episode's packed. But to get back to the emotion, what I was originally saying before I got lost in my own tangent, Wanda is really doing something that's pretty evil by, by any means. What she's doing is wrong. Grief is a horrible thing. And it's really difficult to deal with. And people cope in different ways. But what she is doing to try and handle her grief and her PTSD is clearly not okay. Especially when you, you juxtapose that with the moment when Sparky dies, the dog, and she tries to tell her kids, like, like, you can't undo death. And, like, Vision walks up right after that. Like, well, Mom, you're being a hypocrite. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. 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 I don't know. Like it's just it's so well told. This the 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 onion of Wanda's emotions. You know, she's created this family out of grief, and a family is a beautiful thing. And it's like, well, how, like the, this this beauty of of a family, and especially like Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen as a mom and dad. I think are phenomenal. I cannot sing Paul Bettany's praises enough, especially in this episode. His emotion as a father, his emotion as a husband, his emotion as Vision confronting Wanda, that was all great. Um, but it, it's so interesting to see like this exciting thing where I want this family to like be the best thing in the world because that's what families really can be. But it's born out of such horridness, for lack of better words. And it, 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 I don't know, it's just, it's really sad. I don't know how else to say it. I, I feel so badly for Wanda, but at the same time, I like whatever's coming her way. She's, she's got to stop. Yeah. R Rob, what, uh, you know, what's your thoughts? And then Harrison, maybe uh, we'll, we'll swing back to you for a second because Rob, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, why these people in Westview, do you feel it is, it is because they're blipped or do you think there's something else going on as to why these people are controlled? Well, starting with with the scene at uh, at the office in Norm, um, something that I thought was was kind of interesting. The first time I saw it, I sort of picked up on it, but on a rewatch, I definitely noticed it. He just kept saying, you know, things like "She's in my head, make her stop." He doesn't 
really specify who. So if you choose to believe that Agnes is more than she represents, um, you could you could take that to mean that Agnes is actually the one that's sort of driving the ship here. Um, when it clearly, you know, for weeks now, it's been pointing to Wanda. And and there's some red herrings out there that we could choose to look at. It's her. It's all her. When when Geraldine gets thrown out of, of the hex and becomes Monica again, um, obviously we're clearly led to believe that she's in control and she's able to do these things. Um, so we don't actually know. It could it could kind of be either if you're somebody who wants to believe that Agnes is, is Agatha Harkness. Um, I actually don't think that Agnes is involved at that level, and I'll kind of get into that when we, when we get to it. Um, certainly when we get to the point at the beginning of this episode when Agnes has that flubbed line and she asks if they want to restart, um, I think there's some moments in there where I, it, I don't believe Agnes actually is the one doing this. I think she's she's kind of caught as well. Um, I, I think that this week, I reserve the right to change my mind next week, though, by the way. <laughs> <I reserve. laughs> they could just dump that whole thing on its head. They really could, it, it, very simply. Um, as far as the denizens of Westview, why them? Um to me, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with them being blipped or not. I, I think she picked a small town that looked and represented to her what she thought it would look like, what that ideal suburban life would look like. I'm not sure why she picked it in the state of New Jersey. I think there's probably a lot of other places she could have picked that would have been a little more like idyllic, you know, small town American life, which is what she was going for. Um I'm I'm not sure. Um, you know, certainly she she stole Vision's body, what was left of it, which on my rewatch, and you don't really see it very well because it's security camera footage that she's sort of obscuring, anyways. Um, which takes place nine days uh, before this, which was you know three weeks maybe after everybody comes back from the blip. Uh, so shortly after the defeat of Thanos, she's already finding Vision's body. Um, it looked to me like the parts of him were hooked up to something. And if all they were trying to do was basically just, you know, give his remains, it depends on how like sentient you actually think of vision. Um, but if they were just trying to give his remains kind of a final resting place, it seemed weird that it was all hooked up to stuff. So it, it makes me wonder, were they actually trying to bring him back or not and they kind of even get into his, his living will um so they would certainly be in violation of it but you know we, we've definitely seen organizations in the comic universe kind of do nefarious things for nefarious reasons um but yeah there's a lot there's a lot here that you see it the first time and your brain just starts spinning and then you go back and you watch it a second time and your brain starts spinning even more um like i said i just i can't wait till friday yeah, uh, Harrison. Any follow up thoughts on that before we, we we move on? I think Rob kind of put us into a, a segue here after this, where uh, I'd like to take the conversation next. Uh, yeah, I I was, yeah. Go take it away. I well, actually, let me just say one thing super quick. I think it's just as we continue to talk about it, we're kind of like circling the same topics, but I don't know, like. One of us is running in a square. One of us is a triangle. Whatever, whatever, however you want to make up some phrase about this, that there's just so much to unpack in 
I don't even remember how long this episode was. Like, I, I had no idea that it was going to get this good. And, and I had high hopes for it, and I'm just impressed. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. This is amazing. To be a listener to this, I guess, how it's all so different, how much there really is. Yeah, there's so much. And, I mean, I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, we've seen this episode, so for anybody else listening um, – I don't even think we've really touched, you know, we've only touched the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. There's a lot more of, about this episode. Um, but Rob, you mentioned Agnes and, you know, I kind of have a different interpretation of why she flubbed that line because again, maybe I'm missing something or I'm just, I'm making myself believe this. It, it seemed like Wanda was even surprised that she outright in front of vision said, do you just want to take that from the top? Because even when they were talking to vision outside, um, when Wanda was delivering the babies, they were like, Oh, you know, she's not from around here. She has no family. They went off script, but it seemed like they were being stopped from going too far because they weren't saying anything else. It seemed like they got paused. But her outright saying, do you want me to just take that from the top? Like, what's going on here? Like, to me, Wanda looked surprised that she was so aware that Wanda was controlling this, but she didn't have an episode like Norm did. Um in terms of, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, so I have a different interpretation of what she represents. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see what you think, Rob. I, I would love to hear what your interpretation of her is, if, if anything. So there's a couple different things that, that you could look at. Um, there's obviously a, the obvious answer is that Wanda's in control and, and that's what's happening here. And that's truly what's, what's going on. Um, it's, it's another theory that exists that she is a character from the comics, Agatha Harkness, that, that is a mentor to Wanda and, and is a witch in her own right. Um, and could be the one that's truly doing it. Um, the existence of Mephisto being out there is kind of one of those things. And, and certainly when we get to the, you know, the, the big reveal at the end, it would definitely be a deal with the devil kind of thing where you wish for your brother to come back from the dead and he brings your brother to you, but not the version of your brother that you thought you were getting. Like that would definitely be like a devil thing to do. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for because he's still technically held true to his word. So maybe, maybe Mephisto is, embodying himself in this character of Agnes and that's what's happening. I, I actually think that Agnes is just a townsperson who's perhaps more aware of what's going on um, and just doesn't want Wanda to hurt anybody else or, or make anybody disappear. She's the one she's almost got like Stockholm syndrome where she's just going along with the program. Like Wanda's mm -hmm. in charge. She's doing something and she's there because if you look at the fear in her eyes when she says that, hey, do you want me to start over? Um, she looks more scared to me than in control. She doesn't seem natural. She seems like, uh, what do I do here? You tell me, boss. What do you want me to do is how I read that. Um, the other time that I, I 
notice that Agnes doesn't seem like she's really the one in charge towards the end when the dog is dead and they're talking about, well, mom, you can do anything. You can bring him back. And, and she says the line, you can do that. And, and it's not delivered like a sitcom style, like homage. It's like really that character saying, wait, you can do that. Um, it, it feels to me like she's, you know, kind of an, more of an active participant moving things along um, as opposed to really being the, the true power broker of, of what's causing the Westview anomaly. Some, some really solid points right there. I like those. Uh, Harrison, what's your thoughts on this character? I know you've, you know, in previous episodes, you've certainly stated some, some theories of yours and things that you were thinking of. Um, you know, where, where do you stand now after another episode and some of her scenes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I can get like kind of like really detailed about my theory, the, the thing that really supports it is really Kevin Feige. Um, I think Kevin Feige is one of the greatest producers of all times for one reason, is that he is able to judge so much what the audience or, or culture is ready for at a certain time. You know, Thanos wasn't the villain of the first Avengers movie, right? He was kind of behind the curtain, but all we knew was it was Loki and the Chitauri. You know, like, he's really good at giving us what we're ready for when we're ready for it. And to introduce the villain of Mephisto or the devil into, like, you know, average Joe pop culture is a, is a heavy task. That's a Mount Everest to climb. Uh, Mephisto and the, the characterization of the devil, you, you know, th those words just come out of your mouth and it just sounds weird. You know, th you know, there's a devil in the, the comics where we've got Iron Man, you know, like, it, I, so there, it, it's interesting because I think Agnes definitely is, um, Agatha Harkonnen. And I think that there is the foundation to lay forward the character of Mephisto but I don't think he'll be reviewed, revealed for a very long time. So this is what I think. I think that Agatha, or Agnes, is a witch in some way. She has some types of power. And she is helping Wanda, and Wanda is the one who's creating the, the Westview nominally and is kind of controlling everything. Wanda is the one in charge, but she gained some training from Agnes. And Agnes is trying to gain some power from Wanda to bring her husband who is Mephisto back to life. And so I think that she's kind of been pushing things along to test Wanda's powers, to see how she could manipulate life. I really feel like that's involved with the dog Sparky dying um, because of Agnes's control in that situation. Um, but I don't think that it's something that's going to be revealed anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be revealed in WandaVision by any means. I think it's just for the fans like us, it's kind of laying the groundwork. And eventually we'll see these things called back and, and, and paid off. Um, but I definitely think Agnes is involved in Wanda. You know, like clearly Wanda has, isn't put off by Agnes. She trusts her. Uh, and, and I think that there's a deeper relationship there um, that uh, is going to be revealed more. But I do think that, that at the center of it is Wanda. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think you guys bring up some really, really good points. And, um, you know, I, I think the next thing that I'd really like to, to get your opinion on here with this episode is 
Clearly, there are hints, uh, really breadcrumbs throughout this entire episode. Um, before we get into the big portion of it, um, about her brother, and you know, there's the line, Rob, you said it, where you know, um, you can't bring back the dead. And there's all these little hints and there's all these little clues about what's going on um, with her brother. And the one thing that I was really, really curious about is when her and Vision at the end are arguing, and we made mention to this. um, And first of all, that's the first real time we get an elevated tone out of Vision. He's so you know, in Ultron, um, you know, he says like, I don't want to kill Ultron. Uh, he's unique and he's in pain, but he'll destroy everything. So he has to go. Um, you know, this is the first time where he acts like he's more than just, you know, numbers, so to speak. Um, this matters to him. Um, even when he was with Wanda in, you know, Infinity War and stuff like that, I you didn't get this level of emotion where he like screams at her and says, you don't get to make that decision for me. Um, where do you guys stand on the fact that she tells him? So they're arguing the doorbell rings. Um, where do you guys stand? Rob, I'll let you go on her telling him like, I didn't do that because I truly feel like she didn't do that like she did not intend for there to be another like what am i trying to say here um snafu in their conversation like before she tried to roll the credits on him um but here she was talking to him and now boom uh something is interfering so rob where do you stand on that you know there's a lot of ways you could look at it one of the things that i'm kind of interpreting it as is she's created this anomaly Um, She's created this pocket reality for them to exist in, and she just kind of speaks it. It's it's kind of like in House of M, you know, she says no more mutants, but she doesn't necessarily make every decision about, you know, Spider-Man is going to pretend to be to have gotten his powers by mutation as opposed to a spider bite. And, you know, Nightcrawler is actually going to be a famous action star like she doesn't, I don't believe, necessarily make all of those decisions herself. Um, it's just kind of something that um, she speaks it and the reality sort of works its its way out. You know, I guess it's kind of, um, do you believe everything is predestined or do you believe we're in control of our own destiny? You know, now that's going really, really deep and we're getting way off track and, and getting <laughs> some really interesting conversations that are way deeper than I think what we're trying to do. But, um, you know, I think it's at some point this longingness for her brother um, manifested itself through her abilities and all of these things that she's able to do and pulls all of these things in, um, you know, pulls children in, pulls all of these things into this reality um, because it's what she wants in her heart of hearts, but doesn't necessarily have the ability to assign um, a true emotion to because those emotions are so damaged um, that the it's almost like the her ability just kind of went sentient and, and decided this for her. Um, it's, it, yeah, like I said, you could get really deep with it if you want. Um, but I, I'm, I'm certain that I'm way off and I'll be so excited to find out how off I am in the coming weeks. Harrison, how do you, uh, how do you feel about that? You got any thoughts on, you know, that before we get into really what that scene was, um, 
you know, what were your thoughts on that? Even if it's just talking about, like I said, vision um, and his, you know, outburst towards her where, you know, she even says to him, like, you've never talked to me like this before. Um, he's, he's upset, um, but they're interrupted. Yeah. I thought that scene was great. It's, I mentioned that at the beginning, how I loved the credits rolling when Wanda, you know, tries to cut him off by rolling the credits. I, I thought emotionally it adds a whole new layer uh, that I think the show really needed, you know, cause it could have been easy to just let it be some pocket reality. And, and, and I love that vision really questions Wanda um, and that she has to deal with the one person she's doing all this for being unsatisfied with it. Well, I guess r- real, re- really she's doing it for herself. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I, I thought that it was powerful to see how unaware Vision is. Because I think that I've been questioning for so long, like how, it, how it, clearly this Vision is not affected the same way that the average Joe is in Westview. He questions things. He doubts things in the way that Wanda doesn't want him to. But is this the same Vision that we see in Age of Ultron and all the way through? Uh, and then to say that he doesn't even know himself before Westview. So I think that adds more and more to his curiosity. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And then to be interrupted, I think that it is similar to, if you remember the scene in Age of Ultron, uh, where she realizes Wanda that Pietro dies and she's like at that center of vibranium or whatever it is. I just remember she's surrounded by a bunch of like the Ultron bots. Yeah. She like falls on her knees and lashes out and then like wrecks all of them. I think that there's obviously a, an emotional connection she has um, to her powers that she may not understand where things like Rob is saying just kind of manifest themselves through her emotions and she doesn't understand her powers. Uh so, yeah, I think that it's something – I mean, if we can kind of talk about Pietro and him being recast, as Darcy says, it makes me wonder, <laughs> is, is this the missing person that they were mentioning? Or is this the aerospace engineer that Monica said she knew because the show made an a, a intention of showing her texting? You don't waste three seconds on someone sending a text if you're not going to actually use that in the plot. You know, is this an aerospace engineer? I don't think so. I think the aerospace engineer is going to involve in the Fantastic Four, but that's just my thoughts. So I think this is a missing person. But I don't think if I can get into Pietro, is that okay? Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. Okay. I-, I don't think that it's Pietro Maximoff that we saw die in uh, Age of Ultron. And I don't think that it's Peter who plays, who's Quicksilver from the X Men films. Uh, Clearly, it's the actor, and it's it's using our pop culture knowledge against us. But I don't think that it is Quicksilver. I think that it's the missing person being controlled to play the part of Quicksilver. Like, like it's just some random dude who's who's. Well, I mean, it's not a random dude. He's a missing person, whoever that is. But it's it's just somebody who is being controlled to play a recast version of her already dead brother that somehow she knows is her brother, even though she doesn't know he's recast. Like the complexity of that sentence is kind of weird that I can't even say the whole thing, but I don't think that it's (laughs) (laughs) to summarize it. I don't think that it's a version of Quicksilver 
powers and identity and all. I think that it's somebody else being manipulated to portray Quicksilver. All right, Rob. What are what are your thoughts? Because um, I, I know I have mine. Because I've, you know, kind of mentioned him the past couple episodes, but still, um, when they turned that camera, I was like, "Yes." Um, I, regardless I've of been... whether or not my theory is right, I oh god, I was so excited. I think I like did a double foot stomp when he showed up on screen. <laughs> I've been dying to know what you think. That to comment on what Rob said earlier, like. I wanted to ask you so badly. I was like, no, I have to wait for the podcast. I don't want the reaction over a text. I want to hear it. Yeah. So I'm so yeah. excited to hear what you have to say. But sorry to interrupt you, Rob. Harrison, you might have seen no, me good. at your front. You might have seen me at your front door, and you live very, very far away from us. Like, yeah. I might have been like, "Oh, you want to talk about it? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's get into it." Yeah. Um, so we've kind of talked about Evan Peters' involvement in previous weeks, and and I would say that the cameo twist was a fairly poorly kept secret that he was somehow involved. I don't know that you necessarily have to have like Matt's web connections or Harrison's ability to creep IMDB. Like it's, you know, an ex-girlfriend's <laughs> Facebook page. and You're trying to see like who she's with now, you know, like you don't necessarily have to have like that level of sleuthing to have, have kind of heard that this was out there. I will say that even though it was, sort of the least expected or the, the most expected, you know, quote unquote twist, uh, big twist um, that I've seen. It was still shocking to me. It was still impactful. It was still very much a, a what kind of moment, um, even though I kind of expected this to happen. Um, in terms of what does it mean? Who is he? I will personally feel um, misled and, and actually like cheated if somehow this is just a random dude and they're just be like, Oh, this is that other Quicksilver guy. Oh, you thought they were a, nah, that's just a coincidence fam. Like that would bother me if that's ultimately what they did because a, um, I just really want more of the fast motion scenes. Like we got from those X-Men movies that he's in like <laughs> age of Ultron is a terrible movie. No matter what Matt says, it is a terrible movie with very few redeeming qualities. The redeeming qualities are the fast motion scenes with Quicksilver though. Like I could, they could give me like 50 of those, make that a whole movie of its own. I would sit there and throw popcorn in my mouth and be incredibly happy. Like the one where he's saving the X mansion from blowing up and he grabs the goldfish out of midair. Like just give me, give me a whole movie of that and I'm going to be happy. Um, but I, I do think that somehow this is all, I, I think this is the X-Men version of Pietro Maximoff. Um, and I want that to be the case because I want there to be this opening up of all of this realm of possibility. Um, I, I really hope he's not just some rando from town that they make as a red herring to throw us off. So I, I have a theory on him and yeah, I was incredibly excited because uh, I feel that regardless of some of my thoughts on some of the X-Men movies, um, I know a lot of them were not well received and there are certainly some, some things about them that are terrible, but I feel like the cast in the Fox universe, um, you know, Evan Peters, Fassbender, James McAvoy, uh, I, I feel like a lot of them still could have a lot of mileage with these characters. So if this is something Marvel was willing to do to bring them over, 
Uh, I would really like that because I thought they did a really good job. And part of me thinks that uh, Harrison and Rob, you both mentioned this, that Wanda doesn't always have full control. Um, But part of me thinks, and I read a a theory on this that kind of helped me, you know, think about this more that when she does talk about, you can't bring back the dead. And when she's been talking about her brother, subconsciously she reached out with her powers. And one theory that I read is the fact that this is taking place in the eighties and the last X-Men movie took place in the eighties. Her powers are so strong that she just reached across the multiverse and swept this guy out of his reality. Um, which again, that could be a hundred percent false, but it could explain why the X-Men are nowhere to be found. Um, she's strong enough to just rip this guy out of his reality and that vision will eventually contact him like he did Norm and his memories are going to go, what the heck? Like, why am I here? Cause you know, why does he, if he is going to be Quicksilver from the Fox universe now in here, why does he think of her as his sister? Because that's not what his memories would be. So whatever he is in this universe, he is being portrayed as that. Is that because of her? And she's just so powerful that she did snatch him from his reality. Um, Again, that could be a hundred percent wrong, but I think that's a way to start. Um, And uh, Harrison, you mentioned the text message. I think that it's either one, the Fantastic Four, like you said, or I think that might be a way to. I've heard theories too, and I think that could be a way to maybe introduce uh, Hank McCoy, who has been um, in the comics a part of Sword. Um, but I, I think more so, if we're going to pull X Men from a multiverse, it, it would be something to do with the Fantastic Four. Yeah, but that's that's my theory on it. And um, Harrison, follow up question for you. They made a scene, and Rob, obviously, you know your opinion too on it. When they're talking about Thanos, and this is jumping back towards the beginning, um, there's two comical. Well, there's one comical part where they're talking about Wanda in the beginning, and the director stops Jimmy Woo and he says, "So wait a minute, this person she has no nicknames." Um, clearly making a nod to the fact that her name is Scarlet Witch. They've never called her that, and. It's just a matter of time before somebody's calling Wanda Scarlet Witch. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but when Monica is talking and they say she could have taken out Thanos single-handedly and they say, well, what about Captain Marvel? Monica's look was a little um, perplexing. And it, I didn't know if there was a falling out there because obviously they have history or like what her look was supposed to mean. Um, I didn't take it as like sadness. It, it and again, maybe I just totally misinterpreted it, but what was your thought on that little nod? Because again, uh, I don't think that it's it's nothing that they made a point to show her reaction or mention Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think that it's way important that they did. I think it's more that she that the two of them had some type of falling out. Clearly, there's a lot of history from the Captain Marvel movie when Monica was a child to now that we haven't seen yet that the blanks are still being filled in but you think about the character of monica her mom 
obviously means a lot to her. And I bet Captain Marvel also meant a lot to her. But then her mom got, if I remember right, got cancer. That then got better. But Monica was snapped or blipped, whatever you want to call it. So her mom passed away while she was gone. And she wasn't able to experience like Like, that's a, such a comic, comically complex situation. That's uh, really sad that she wasn't able to experience that. So why am I bringing this up? I think that there's maybe a little bit of a falling out that happened with Monica and Captain Marvel, maybe because she doesn't trust her. Or, or maybe something to have to do with her mom dying that maybe she blames Captain Marvel or something along those lines, if that makes any sense. So I think it's something along, you know, anger or frustration, or I, I don't think that it's sadness, but I, I think it clearly shows that there's some type of relationship they've got going on. there. Rob, where do you stand on that? Um, I, I caught it a little bit the first time when I rewatched it earlier today, it was very obvious to me that Monica does not want to discuss Captain Marvel. She has no interest in any conversation regarding that character. Um, there's something that happened there. Um, we can speculate a lot, but I think if we're, I think if we're patient, you know, Feige and company will probably reward us with the explanation there. Um, and I actually thought for a second that this was the first time that the, the kind of nickname Captain Marvel had been said in the MCU. Cause when I heard that, I'm like, wait a second, they never call her that in the actual Captain Marvel film. And I don't remember them ever calling her that in Endgame. I looked it up. Uh, Peter Parker does refer to her as Captain Marvel in, in far from home. Um, and that's, that's been it. That, so that might just not be a thing like that. Just kind of, we never hear it, how she gets the name. She just has the name. That might be how that, that goes. Um, but there is definitely something that's happened. I, I agree with Harrison. I think it's somehow related to the cancer his, uh, her mother developed. Um, it, could it be from sword projects? Look, if you're spending a lot of time in outer space, there's a lot of radiation out there. Um, depending on what happens, that could have been the source of her cancer. Um, there's, there's certainly a lot of things, um, that could lead to, um, but clearly there's, there's no love lost between Monica and, and Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, there's definitely something, Rob, like you said, I think with, with patients, we'll figure out what's going on. Maybe that happen, happens in Captain Marvel too. Um, but there's definitely something going on there. And, you know, with this episode too, I think unless you guys have something else, there's a lot of tiny little Easter eggs that are kind of cool in this episode. So uh, before we get into those, because Rob, I'm sure uh, you have some because you're always uh, writing down notes and things like that. So, you know, one of the cool little Easter eggs, and I don't know if you guys caught it, was when Vision is reading the paper and he actually folds it. Um, the only thing that you can see on the paper in the living room is HOM. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about uh, the comic book storyline that this seems to be taking, um, you know, parts from and kind of rewriting how that story is told. But I thought that was a cool little uh, HOM House of M uh, little Easter egg that was in this episode. So do you guys have anything that you thought uh, – you know, that you saw on here or think maybe could pertain to the bigger picture. 
you know, there's some little things here and there. Um, if you go back to the opening credits uh, for this week's, you know, version of, of WandaVision, you know, the 80s style uh, shows that it's taking inspiration from, it shows them kind of growing up. And one of the ones, if you, if you look, you see, you know, Wanda as a younger girl. And it could be a lot of places, but there's a, there's a screenshot of her kind of sitting on, um, you know, kind of a, a bombed out looking area with a lot of graffiti that looks very much like a lot of Cold War era, you know, Eastern European Soviet bloc kind of nations, which the fictional world of Sokovia probably would have been. Um, so it, it's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that there's this, you know, the smiling girl, like all happy and it's shown in this happy montage, but in the background, you know, there's, there's chaos just raging on. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, your, your thoughts, anything, um, you know, extra with the episode, uh, any Easter eggs that you think maybe mean more than just an Easter egg or what do you think? Yeah, there were two things that I really thought about. The first involves Vision and what we learned about how it's actually Vision's body. Um, it's not just like some image of him that Wanda's projecting. She broke into sword and stole the physical body of Vision. Whether she recreated him with the Mind Stone and he's like actually living, or she's just like controlling this physical body that she picked up to be portrayed as living, I don't know. But what I think is interesting is that the previous episode, one that we were learning about S.W.O.R.D., the S.W.O.R.D. director was telling Monica that in the five years of the blip, they had transitioned from, you know, like space travel missions to focusing more on AI. And I think that's really interesting that they, against Vision's will, were experimenting on it. And I think they were, in a way, rebuilding Vision or Ultron or whatever you want to name it. They were clearly experimenting with him. I think it's really interesting that 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 transition between space travel to AI happened after they got Vision's body. I think it's going to kind of reveal the... I think that particularly this S.W.O.R.D. director is, is going to be a, a long-time villain. Maybe not a long-time villain, but I think he's going to be a villain. Like Not just not a dude who's not very nice, but a full-blown villain, I think, is going to be. Um, yeah. And so I also think it's interesting, you know, maybe in that five-year period, the Fantastic Four had their accident out in space, and that's another reason that they transitioned from space travel. I don't know. I think it has more to do with vision. And I also just think it's incredibly messed up that the, the corporation that's focused on sentient weapons would go against a sentient being's own will and own wishes to further study him to make more sentient weapons through AI. I just think that's incredibly messed up and adding to the evil complexity of the sword director. The other thing that I think is really interesting is when Monica is blasted back out of, out of Westview, out of the hex, as they call it, because uh, it's catching on. But anyway, after that, she's having a medical <laughs> examination. Uh, before she shoots the Kevlar outfit from the 70s, that she doesn't show up on an x-ray. She Her blood work, I don't remember the exact word they said, but uh, her blood work isn't working either. And I think that maybe, is this some way that Monica received some type of powers? You know, because we know that Monica, Monica Rambo at one point took on the name of Captain Marvel. Is that going to be something? I don't know. I don't think that it's nothing. Uh, I think it's going to lead to some type of additional power that Monica gains. Um but who who knows? I, I think it's weird that she just doesn't show up on X-ray. She's just like a white 
blob. You know, that's kind of concerning medically. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. I just think right. it would mean something. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with that because it, it's definitely, I mean, if you know Monica from the comics, it certainly would seem like that is going to be, you know, the tie-in to her taking more of her comic book you know, form. So I think there's definitely something there. Um, one thing that's not, it, it's not an Easter egg, um, but it, it's definitely a callback to something um, from episode two. There is the get together um, that, uh, you know, all the women have and it's, and then there's the talent show and there's the very, very creepy. Well, it's, it's for the children. Um, well, Vision clearly points out there's there's no other children in Westview. Um, so what was everything for before Wanda's twins were born? Um, what children was was this for? So I, I think there's something there too, as you know, um, what's going on with the twins. I, I think there's, I mean, obviously there's more to the twins if you know the comic book story. Um, and I guess I, I would ask you guys, and this is kind of backtracking here, but that was the one thing that it, the only thing that I wasn't, you know, thrilled about with this episode. Um, I, I know they're supposed to be portrayed as as kids, and they are kids, but uh, they were just a little too generic for me. I didn't particularly, I wasn't a fan of the acting of these the two kids. Um, I, I thought they were definitely the weak part of this episode. Um, Harrison, do you have any like? further thoughts on them or, you know, the, for the children thing. Uh, the, for the children thing, definitely. I also think it's weird because in trailers later, we've seen that there's more children in what I'm assuming is Westview. I don't think that it, it would be something else. So I think that that's going to be like some response that Wanda has to visions concern, uh, which is scary. Uh, but it also makes me wonder, like maybe it's just because Wanda doesn't have the evil heart to trap children in her reality. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that it, the thing is with this show, I've gotten to the point where every line and detail, anything I'm like, that means that means everything or does it mean nothing? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it's so crazy. Uh, but as far as the children go, yeah, I agree. Uh, when they were like their five-year-old self, they were cuter. They had more of like a cute factor that was like less annoying. But when they became their 10-year-old selves, it was also the haircut that didn't help. I was like, okay, these kids look and feel and perform just a little too woody. Uh, which, yeah. I mean, they're child actors. I, they're probably doing the best they can. But, you know, if you win some and you lose some. Yeah, I mean, we've seen child actors in Stranger Things. So, um, the, the, True. There's, that, definitely that's better, kinda... <laughs> there's definitely better acting that can be done. But, yeah. <laughs> I think Stranger Things has just ruined any child actor's chance ever again because <laughs> you're right everything's compared to that and nothing stands a chance rob where do you uh where do you stand on any of those thoughts man you know they introduce the they, they grow the babies up from you know babies to five-year-olds basically and i loved that they did in the opening montage like they did a birthday cake that had numbers one through five on it like it's one of those things like if you don't really pay attention you maybe don't catch the fact that that's referencing the fact that these kids just grow up um but yeah when they brought the little five-year-olds out oh my god they they could not have picked more adorable little five-year-olds to to come out and and be you know billy and tommy 
Um, and then, yeah, once they turn into 10 year olds, it does kind of fall off a bit for me. Um, since we're on the subject of Easter eggs, one of the ones that um, I, I've seen pointed out is that, um, you know, th they do grow up to be two characters uh, of, of abilities of their own right. Um, Billy becomes Wiccan um, and Tommy becomes a character called Speed. Um, and they, and speed typically wears, you know, shades of blue and green and, and Billy, uh, wears shades of red and they have these characters dressed in those same kind of shades. Um, which is, I, I think it's just kind of a, a nice like wink to the comics fans. Like, Hey, you'll, you'll recognize these because certainly, um, you know, consistent costuming and, and color schemes and things like that are, are really a hallmark of iconic characters you know certainly they, they mess around a little bit with iron man suits periodically but he's mostly that that gold and red um so certain other characters their suits kind of they mess around a little bit that you know spider-man's had a few different ones but he's mostly that iconic like blue and red um and they kind of stick with it and i just like that they they did that little touch here and certainly matt you know you've talked about it a lot you know one of the things that you appreciate watching uh, films based on comic book characters is when they really go deep to give us comic accurate costuming and, and what a thrill that is for you. So um, I like that they, they did that for this. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they've certainly proved that it's, you know, you don't have to do and as, as much as I love this movie, but X-Men when it came out in 2000, you know, it's just a full black, you know, leather-like outfit. Um, we've certainly come a long way that comic book accurate costumes work on the big screen. So the more and more they just tie into those, um, I'm certainly a fan of it. So I do like that they did that, you know, with this episode. So, uh, Rob, uh, I'm going to ask you, unless you have something that you want to close off with, um, you know, What's your rating for this episode? Because, again, I, I think we're all kind of in agreement that this is, you know, the best episode of WandaVision um, from from start to finish as a whole. It's just very good. So what, what are your final thoughts on this episode? You know, final thoughts quickly. Um, I had said previously that I felt Vision was at least partially sentient. Um, I didn't believe that he was a complete fabrication of, of Wanda's mind or abilities. And, and I think this episode probably has, has proven that or, or the, at least partially proven that. Um, and I think certainly if he wasn't completely, or if he wasn't even partially sentient, he wouldn't notice the terrors and, and kind of the fabric of the reality that's been created. And that's really where we see them have this fight um, that it'll be incredibly fascinating to see how they move on from there and how vision won't kind of remember these lead ups. Um, so those are the things I'm looking for next week. As far as my rating, um, I don't think it's going to be any surprise. I'm going five out of five reels. This is definitely the best episode of this show and it pays off so much of what we've seen so far really at the halfway point and it, future weeks are just going to be at a crazy pace where like Harrison said, everything means something or nothing, but it feels like maybe it could mean something. So you're, you're fine tooth combing everything to try to pull some meaning or, or what could this actually turn into uh, five out of five reels for me? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel the same way. This, this episode gets five and a half reels for me. Um, it had a bit of everything. It, um, you know, Action, I guess you can use 
as a loose term, but there was just so much emotional weight in this episode that it, it just really dragged me in. It really captivated me. Uh, you feel bad for Wanda. You feel, you know, some, you know, form of, oh my God, Wanda, how could you be doing this? Um, you know, Rob, you mentioned earlier that you can understand why the director says take the shot. So there's just, you know, it certainly plays back and forth with how you're supposed to feel about what's going on here, which is makes for a great episode, great television. Um, I, I'd give it five reels as well. And it just, you know, again, how do you keep topping this? But uh, they have shown that uh, I have trust in them that next episode's going to be even better. And the next episode after that, and the next episode after that. So, this was certainly my favorite episode of WandaVision, but I'm sure next week, um, if there's any indication, we're probably going to be saying the same thing. Um, so, Harrison, what I'd like to do is, um, you know, get your thoughts closing this off. And then uh, I'd really like you to uh, plug your show again. Uh, I know you just had a monthly update that came out on your show with what you're kind of working on. So, uh, I'd like you to give a quick recap for the listeners um, that have, you know, maybe gone over and, you know, downloaded some episodes of your show from listening to this and listening to you. So uh, I'm going to give you this part here. Uh, so uh, take it away. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, first, to, to rate the show, I'd probably give it, uh, if, if I could, 4.75 reels. I, I can't <laughs> put a finger on it. There's just something that just it just isn't quite there where I can give it five, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what. Uh, but other than that one thing that I can't name, it was just the best episode I've ever seen, and I'm sure I'm going to say the same thing next week. It, it was so good. There was emotion. There was there was foreboding. There was foreshadowing. There were callbacks. There were, there was everything we've been talking about made it so enjoyable. One last Easter egg that I just want to throw in super quick that I think is really interesting. Ooh particularly uh, that I remembered as I was just reading through my notes, making sure I touched on everything I liked with the character of Agnes and how I really think that she is uh, Agatha Harkness. So in the comics, Vision has a dog whose name is Sparky. And I th actually found it quite interesting that Sparky was like constantly trying to kill himself, including like licking the sockets. And that's why I call him Sparky. But anyway, th they had Vision had a dog whose name was Sparky who ends up dying. I won't, I'm trying to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. He ends up dying through unfortunate circumstances by being fed leaves from Mount Wondergore, which is the home of Agatha Harkness. And I thought it was really interesting that Sparky also dies by eating some plant leaves from the home of Agnes. I don't know if that is just like a connection that is just really cool. Again, does that mean nothing or does it mean everything? But either way, it's just a cool Easter egg. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'd rate it. As far as plugging my show, thanks again for letting me do that. So, uh, yeah, I host a podcast called The Basement Binge. Uh, obviously, talking about movies, that's how Matt and I connected and how we've developed this, this awesome friendship we have. Uh, he did mention most recently I did a monthly update. That's something that I started doing uh, just as a lot of fun, especially with COVID changing the box office and what's being released and what isn't and delays and things like that, to just continually have a monthly update about film or TV projects that I'm interested in. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's also a chance to talk about the projects that I'm working on for the podcast, uh, including an episode that I uploaded today earlier before I talked with you guys on Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was a ton of fun. That was, that was a fun episode to do. So if you're into the, that monthly update thing, getting updates about film, the film world and what's happening, 
subscribe to the basement binge on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts um in addition to some great films that i'm i'm reviewing uh that are super exciting so and of course magos the movies i was actually quite uh, earlier today just super quick matt if it's okay i was doing the dishes and i was sitting there thinking and i was thinking about the wandavision episode that we were going to do and i was like you know what i'm kind of jealous of matt that he gets to talk about want want so much so i was like wait why am i jealous i'm there <laughs> like, it, was, it was a weird thing but i'm so glad that you're letting me be a part of this show because the the reason that i was feeling jealous is because just within my schedule that i have i don't have time to do a show on my own but being able to be on yours is just as in fact it's more fun because i get to talk to you, you and rob uh so thanks for letting me be a part of it and of course if anybody comes and listens over to the basement binge again wherever you get your podcast i'll be very grateful uh, but yeah, this has been tons of fun. So thanks again for like, giving me a chance to, to shout that out. Yeah, no, um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Rob has helped me with a lot of these episodes and Harrison and I for, you know, listeners have done episodes together as well. Um, you know, obviously we're doing this now, but it's been a ton of fun. Harrison, like you said, um, just a, a simple love of movies has, you know, uh, kind of brought us together here and actually developed a, a real friendship between me and Harrison, which has been great. Um, you know, Rob and I met through work, but really we started talking more on a personal level because of movies. Um, and we've said it before. It's just, uh, it, it's really cool with everything going on to just have uh, a really simple common interest that brings us together for this. Uh, and, and, you know, any listeners, um, you know, Harrison said it uh, of this show or for his show, um, you know, I appreciate it. I know Rob appreciates it. He gets, you know, feedback. Rob, I know you've said uh, your brother talks to you quite a bit about, you know, some of the episodes we've done, right? Where he he talks oh, yeah. about what we've done. So um, it's just really cool that something this simple has connected the three of us and uh, it's developed into a friendship out of something as uh, I keep saying as simple as a movie. Um, so, you know, to everybody that's listening, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to continue here for Mondays with Maximoff. So we're going to see you next week. Uh, Harrison's show notes are going to be, you know, inside this episode along with where you can contact us. So, uh, from Matt Goes to the Movies and The Basement Binge. Guys, we really appreciate you listening to this episode, and we're going to see you next week on Mondays with Maximoff. Take care, everybody.